1: So I've been wondering what you thought, last week, and if you're you're new or visiting and didn't get to join us last week, we started a series called Healing Fractured Relationships. And uh, I wonder what relationships come to mind when you think about that. I wonder what topics you think we might cover as we approach a series like this. Um, Chances are, the first thought may have been a relationship where you've been hurt. Someone that's hurt you. All of us have examples of that, I'm sure. (laughs) What was that like? How do you respond when someone hurts you? I think that's a really important question and probably the most important question that we're gonna talk about today. How do you respond? Not if, but when someone hurts you. As a kid, I remember what I did. Um, If a kid hit me, I hit him back. If they called me a name, I called them a name, only worse. If they hurt me, I was gonna hurt them. Why? Because that's our natural reaction as kids, right? Our natural reaction is revenge, sweet revenge. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. (laughs) Can't you hear it now? But mom, he started it. I'm the only one that's ever uttered those words, right? In other words, he hurt me, and now I'm gonna hurt him back. I'm making things fair, I'm seeking out justice. As young kids, that's what you do. But things are so much different as we get older, right? Right? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 some of you, some of you seem to think it's not that much different as we get older, is it? We are a little more subtle as we get older though, right? We, we don't blatantly hurt someone when they hurt us, we just gossip about them or we post something about them on social media, or we hold a grudge for the rest of our lives. It's almost like we grow up, but our tendencies and responses don't really change, do they? Our motto from early in life is this, you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. And while we may get a little bit older and seemingly a little bit wiser, that motto stays the same for many of us. And perhaps... Perhaps as we process that today, what makes sense to you is, isn't that what they deserve? But, but after you walk with Jesus and as you study his word, you start to learn, you start to suspect that that's not the way that we're really supposed to respond when someone hurts us. That's not how Jesus lived and it's not how he calls. Those of us that love him, those that follow him, those that claim faith and trust in him, that's not how they respond. So welcome, welcome to this series, Healing Fractured Relationship. Listen, the purpose of this series is is simple, but really profound. We're asking God through his word to do exactly that, heal our fractured relationships. We're talking about all relationships because all relationships matter. And I believe in a room like this, and those watching online, Um, There's a variety of different relationships represented that are fractured within our families, or our marriages, or our neighbors, or coworkers. Uh, Whoever the people are in your life that matter most to you, that's who we're talking about. Because more often than not, those are the examples in our lives of relationships that are hurting. Our goal really is to understand biblical tools that can help us on this journey. So last week, if you weren't here or it's been a long time since last week, we started talking about conflict and the fact that we actually need conflict. My tendency is to avoid and run from conflict, but, but it's true. In healthy, God-honoring relationships, God-glorifying relationships, we, we have to learn to see conflict as an opportunity to deepen our love. In fact, that's the prayer that we prayed together as we uh, closed last week. Lord, deepen my love. Deepen my love for the people in my life. Deepen my love for the people that I'm in conflict with. Deepen my love for the people I don't understand, the people that don't understand me. Lord, deepen my love. So today, today we're focusing on deep hurt. As, as I mentioned, specifically, perhaps the most deepest form of, of hurt, betrayal, Betrayal. Um, Just as conflict we spoke about last week is inevitable, really so is betrayal. It's something that we've all experienced. And I don't have to take a lot of time defining what it is because most of us in this room have experienced it. but, But needless to say, betrayal comes from a place of broken or abused trust. That word trust is so important when talking about betrayal. You can't really be betrayed by someone you didn't trust to begin with, right? That's not betrayal. I don't know what that is, but it's not betrayal because betrayal comes when we trust someone, someone that we're close with in relationship. In fact, the closer a relationship is, the more trust is built. And where there is trust, there are also those painful experiences where that trust has been broken, So one of my earliest memories of betrayal came in kindergarten. I was five years old. And I remember, I remember the hurt that still runs deep. Uh, I was exactly, I remember exactly where I was on my nap mat in my kindergarten classroom. And it was nap time in kindergarten, which means no one really slept, but you're supposed to lay there and be quiet. And I remember... Looking across the room, it was show and tell day, which in kindergarten is a really big deal. It's really exciting. And I brought something I was really excited to show and tell about, my cool magnifying glass. It had a special little case that it slid into. And I was so excited that I brought this for show and tell that that earlier in that day, before show and tell happened and before nap time happened, uh, I, I made the mistake of showing my former best friend, notice I said former best friend, Gerald, my magnifying glass. I say former best friend because of what happens next. So during rest time, again, I was showing off my magnifying glass. I was so excited. I put it in my cubby. And I knew after nap time, after rest time, I get to participate in show and tell. And lo and behold, from across the room, with the lights low, I see my former best friend, Gerald, rummaging through my cubby. And lo and behold, as the lights come on and it's time and the teacher gathers us to come sit on my mat, my magnifying glass is nowhere to be seen. In fact, can you believe it? Gerald is now claiming it's his magnifying glass and the teacher believes him. And I sit there seething in anger as he stands in front of the class showing off his cool magnifying glass, my former best friend, Gerald. I never got over that betrayal. Look, it seems innocent and cute, but I'm going to tell you, it hurt. (laughs) I cried a lot over that magnifying glass. And listen, the hurt that you experience, yeah way back from kindergarten, but the truth is that that betrayal doesn't stop then, does it? And it hurts. It hurts. And, And as you consider your story today, my goal is not really to drum up feelings and emotions of hurt today, I mean, that, that might be important, and there might be another setting where that's appropriate, um, certainly with a counselor, a professional. My, my goal isn't to just drum up these painful emotions in your heart, and your life. The question I really want to ask today is, how do we respond? How do we respond when people hurt us? Remember, that's the question we, we started with today, and I really think that's where the Lord wants to help us today, not if we've been hurt, not if we've been betrayed, but when. We have, so what do we do? What do we do with that? Uh, I believe God's word has some good news for us, some hope for us. So we're gonna be in Luke's gospel, chapter 22. I'm gonna invite you to turn there. Uh, if you're U Version Bible app user, uh, we set up an event every single week there, Put some extra notes, some extra things that you can follow along, some things you can go back and look at. It's there for several days. So you can turn there, or in your copy of Scripture, turn to Luke chapter 22. It's true, as Pastor Billy shared, uh, we're about to enter into the season of Lent, which starts uh, this Wednesday, uh, Valentine's Day, right? And it's a 40-day journey. And so throughout that season, we're gonna have an intentional focus of prayer. But that season is also about journeying towards the cross. And so certainly... Uh, This passage in Luke 22 will become relevant again as we journey closer to the cross. But here's what's happening in a passage you might be very familiar with. Um, Jesus looks at Peter, Peter, one of his closest friends, one of his followers, his disciples. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. In fact, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times Uh, You you will, in essence, what Jesus is saying, you're gonna betray me. And here in in Luke 22, we see uh, Jesus is arrested. We know the cross is gonna become his reality. So what happens? All of the disciples scatter. They're scared, they're terrified. And Peter specifically does exactly what Jesus says he would do. The greatest moment of need, Jesus' greatest moment of need and his friend Betrays him. So let's look. Uh, we're gonna read uh, verse 54 to 62 of Luke chapter uh, 22. So let's, let's read this together. It says this. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. You see what already is happening here? Peter, I, I won't deny you, Jesus. I'll never betray you. And, and immediately, almost already, Peter is kind of distancing himself even in a subtle way. Let's keep reading. Verse 55, and and then some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them, (laughs) Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He is a Galilean. And Peter responded, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And look at verse 61. Can you imagine this scene? Maybe you've read this passage a hundred times, but can you imagine verse 61? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Pause there for a minute. Think about, we believe Jesus was fully God, but fully man. We believe that he felt emotion, he felt pain, he felt betrayal, and in that moment, as he is about to to suffer a, 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 a death that we could not even imagine on a cross, he looks straight into the eyes of his friend as he betrays him. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter And he said, you idiot, I told you this was gonna happen. Nope. Turned and looked and straight at Peter and said, how could you? After all we've been through, seriously, bro? I don't think Jesus said seriously, bro, right? I wish I would have never invited you to be my friend. No, that's not what Jesus said, is it? See, Jesus doesn't respond to betrayal like I do, like we do. Jesus doesn't respond like you and I, does he? Let's keep reading. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. (laughs) Bitter weeping, What what a painful picture, but an appropriate picture of betrayal, right? He went outside and wept bitterly. There's two ends to the story when we talk about a topic like this. For some of us in the room today, we, we have some regret, don't we? we? We have some times where we've hurt people in our lives and, and we resonate with that bitter weeping, don't we? You really can't talk about Luke's account of this without talking about John's gospel. As we read this, uh, and we don't, if you don't know the rest of the story, you might be thinking, this is the end for Peter. <laughs> how do you come back from that? As Jesus is crucified and he's left dead and buried, how do you come back from that? But the good news for us is the story's not over. So bear with me, we're gonna turn to John's gospel for a minute because John's gospel does something really cool uh, in, in showing us how this story ends. We don't get the full picture in Luke's gospel but John's Gospel, at the very end, John chapter 21, again, it's going to be on the screen behind me, another passage of Scripture you may know. It starts in chapter 21 with the disciples are fishing. Uh, Jesus is dead, and he's gone, and, and what, what else are they going to do? They return to fishing. And, and now we, we know Jesus has resurrected, and he's begun to, to appear to his followers and his disciples. But the story goes that the disciples are out fishing, and they don't catch anything. That would be very normal for me because I'm not a fisherman, but but a group of fishermen fishing all night, that would be pretty rare, I would think. And, and, and the story goes, they don't catch anything, and then this guy shows up on the shore and says, cast your net on the other side, and they're probably rolling their eyes like, what does this guy know? And sure enough, they throw their nets on the other side and they have so much fish, it breaks the net, they can't even haul it in, and at that moment, somebody in the boat figures out something and realizes, I think that's Jesus. <laughs> And so Peter, Peter, realizing that, again, the last time he saw Jesus, he was denying him. And now, he, he thought, I would never see him again, right? And so Peter, with desperation, gets out of the boat to get to Jesus. That's a, that's a whole story in and of itself, but... What we're most focused on this morning is how will Jesus respond? That's the question we're asking, right? How do we respond when people hurt us? So let's look how Jesus responds. Again, this is the first, as far as we know, the first face to face encounter he has with his friend, the one who betrayed him. So we're going to pick it up in verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Peter climbed back into the boat, right? He already went and got to Jesus. Now he's climbing back into the boat and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. So many, the net was torn. And Jesus said, let's come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew, isn't that cool? They knew it was the Lord, they knew. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he was raised from the dead. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, he said, you you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus said. Again, second time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Jesus said the third time, that's significant, isn't it? Three times, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Not once, not twice, three times Jesus asked Peter the question. And we know there's power and repetition, but there's also this cool thing that's happening. Peter denies Jesus three times, and now Jesus asked Peter this question three times. This is a sort of a redemption for Peter, it would be easy to believe maybe this is retribution, shame. I'm gonna ask you once, I'm gonna ask you twice. You know, but, but look at what Jesus is telling him. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Uh, Jesus is actually commissioning Peter. He's giving him a job and a role in his kingdom. He's calling him to minister in his name. And Peter goes on from this moment to become one of the most influential people the church has ever known. The one who betrayed Jesus the one who turned his back when Jesus was in his deepest, darkest moment of need, yet that's the one that God uses to become one of the most influential people the world has ever known. When we experience betrayal in our lives, there's often two things. I think it's important to articulate this because it helps us see ourselves in this story. There's two things often when we're betrayed that we want. The first I have on the screen is justice, justice. When we are hurt, we want justice. I, I just explained at the earliest age when someone hurts us, we hurt them back. That's justice. Someone calls us a name, we're gonna call them a name. Why? That's, that's justice. That's, that's what seems fair to us. That's why it's our instinct. But here's the problem with this. The problem is that the relationship today that you're thinking of, the fractured relationships in your life, have no chance at healing and at restoration and at redemption if we are desperate for justice. Because we won't be content until it happens and really all it does is create more hurt and more pain and more disruption. There's no hope there of redemption. The second thing is similar, but it's kind of a form of justice and that's the word revenge. When someone hurts us, we want justice, but even more specifically, we want revenge. It's part of justice in our minds. It's our default. Listen, we talked about this last week. If, if I was just living according to, to my mindset, revenge would always be my default. You hurt me, I'm gonna get back at you. You did something to me, I'm gonna get back at you. That's my default, right? That's my sin nature. And apart from Christ, that will always be my response. But as we talked about last week, the foundation of this series is a Christ-like mindset that if we really want the healing that God desires in our relationships, we can't operate from our mindset because our mindset is what's led us to the destruction and the chaos that we experience in our relationships far too often. We need a Christ-like mindset. And a Christ-like mindset doesn't insist on my way, revenge. See, justice Uh, is really about getting what you think they deserve, but revenge is me playing an active role in that. And listen, if thoughts of justice and revenge flood your mind today, as you think about fractured relationships, you're not alone. That is our nature. That is how the world around us responds. But as we're learning time and time again, church family, Jesus doesn't call us to live like the world around us lives. And Jesus doesn't call us to respond in our relationships how the rest of the world around us responds. Remember Jesus's command? We've been talking about this in recent weeks. I have it on the screen behind me. A new command I give you. This was new, right? Love one another. And then Jesus says this. As I have loved you, in the way that I love you, in the way that I demonstrate love for you, in that way you love one another. Not the standard of the world, not the status quo, not loving enough that seems okay and socially, no, 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 your standard of love is my standard of love. The love that I have given to you, verse 35, by this everyone will know that you belong to me. You're my disciple. How will they know? How will they know that we follow Jesus? How will they know that we trust in him? How will they know? Well, they'll know by the way that we love one another. The way that we love in our relationships, the way that our love in our forgiveness, in our grace, in our mercy, it's different than anywhere else in anyone else because of Jesus. That's the call. And that's difficult for us, isn't it? Here's the truth, and maybe the hard truth, but I think it's important as we talk about this topic. It's so easy to read a story like this and roll, really, oh Peter, here we go. <laughs> but the truth is, church, you and I were just like Peter. Listen, the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us on our own fall short of God's best. None of, and some of you are, all of you, you're amazing. There are gifts and talents. Some of you look real good. I mean, look, but, but even on our best day, God's word says that we fall short of God's best for us. In fact, the truth is at one point in our lives, all of us betrayed God's heart. All of us. Whether you, you, you realized it or not, all of us fell short of God's best. All of us turned our back on God and, and said, I'm gonna live my way. I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna serve myself. Hey, God, thanks for loving me and putting breath in my lungs and providing what I have and, and, and sending Jesus. But, but I've got this. All of us, all of us have betrayed the heart of God. All of us have turned our backs on him. Listen, the father understands betrayal Far more than we could ever imagine. So, how did God respond? How did God respond? Way back, way back in the Garden of Eden, where the story begins, the story of God begins, and then our story begins. Way back when? When Adam and Eve turn their back on the Lord, when they they do their own thing, right? And sin enters into the world. How does God respond? Does God seek revenge? Is, is the entire story of God a story of revenge? Of God smiting us and, and destroying us and saying, you deserve this. You deserve this. No. That's not how God responds. His entire story is a story of redemption. Longing to draw us back into right relationship with him. How how did God respond when we betrayed him? Ultimately, he responded by sending his own son so that justice could be served on his behalf for us. That's how God responded. I I wanna close today with a visual that really touches me from the story uh, that we read of Peter. And it's a little bit subtle. It's a little nuanced, but I, it's, it's more about uh, what happens in Peter's life. And I think it's a pretty appropriate story uh, of us. It represents us. I'm going to, don't, don't be alarmed. I'm not going to come touch anybody, but I'm going to come stand down here with you for a minute. I think about uh, the story and I think about, I, I just put myself in Peter's position. I think about what it must have been like to betray the Son of God. I wonder what it must have been like to watch him crucified from a distance and to feel like I had let him down. I wonder what it would feel like to think, I'll never see him again. And yet that moment, that moment when you're on the boat, it's Jesus. And if you go back and read the story, I mean, Peter, he jumps out of the way. He's desperate to get to him. I, I think about that. But then I think about the, what I would deserve, right? What, what would I deserve in that? How many days had Peter spent feeling shame, feeling like God could never forgive me? I, I could never be worthy again. Many of us have felt like that. But I love the visual that we get in the story because the visual is of Jesus, the heart of God, and what does he do to Peter? Does he, does he dress him down? Does he lecture him? No, he, he does something pretty amazing. So I brought a visual. It's tucked in here. He, he really says, hey, Peter, let's let's have breakfast. That may seem like a really weird thing in scripture that may mean nothing to you and, and to me. And I, I think breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. So that seems spiritual to me, but, but that may mean nothing to you. Um, it, it's important to know, and I, I've, as I've studied a little bit, I've learned that, in the Judean culture, um, a, a meal, having a meal together was an intimate experience. It was an experience of relationship. It wasn't just something you did. We eat meals because we're going 70 miles an hour and we gotta eat something and we gotta, but, but a meal around the table, that, that meant something. That's why it was so, throughout Jesus's life as he's eating with sinners and tax collectors, that's why the religious leaders were so appalled because he is entering into relationship with these people. He's having intimacy with these people and it it shocked them because sharing a meal together meant something. And so I think about that visual of of Peter coming to the beach and Jesus is there and and all of the things Peter must have felt and all of the shame and guilt and and thinking, oh man, here goes. And, and, And Jesus could have said, he could have said justice, revenge, but instead he says, hey, hey, Peter, come, let's... Let's have breakfast. So I was thinking about breakfast. Um, to me, I don't know what the like most spiritual breakfast for you is. For me, it would probably be biscuits and sausage gravy. Listen, I was I was raised in the South. I'm not really a Southern boy. If I took like a quiz, I would probably fail. There's not a lot of things about the South that I'm like diehard, you know. But I love me some biscuits and gravy. I wasn't going to try to make that this morning, so I went for second best. I thought about the breakfast of heaven probably comes in a Krispy Kreme donut box. I won't be surprised when we get there one day and we see Jesus and He turns and. He goes like this and there's just a the conveyor belt with the hot light on at all times and there will be no caloric intake in, in heaven. So we can just, awe, so I'll see you there. It'll be beautiful. But I just think about this visual and I know this seems silly to us, right? But I think about what did Peter deserve in that moment? He deserved justice. He deserved a stern talking to. He deserved anything and everything Jesus would do to be reprimanded to be made an example out of, but but what did Jesus do? He said, come on, let's let's have breakfast. (laughs) Listen, the heart of God for us is that when we were sinners and we betrayed him and we hurt him and we turned our backs on him, you know what the heart of God is for you and for me? I want want relationship with you. I I wanna sit at the table with you. I wanna wanna eat and fellowship with you. You're my child and I love you. And you hurt me and you broke my heart, but I love you, come, let's let's eat together. That's a visual this week, I just couldn't shake. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us in our relationships? You're probably here thinking, I'm not Jesus. And man, I I get that. Because far too often when I've been hurt, I wanna hurt them. (laughs) But this week, as I've been thinking a lot about breakfast, sorry if you're hungry this morning. I've been thinking about breakfast. I've just been thinking of the heart of God. The heart of God that doesn't give us what we deserve. I love that in the Psalms. As the psalmist says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve." What a beautiful example today for us. And yet, what a challenging charge for us to love like that, <laughs> to have that mindset of Christ. That though when we are hurt, it doesn't mean that it was okay. It doesn't mean that you're accepting it as good. It doesn't mean that you excuse that. But instead, I was thinking about this word as we prayed together at the band and as we sang the word trust. What would it mean today in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of the hurt that people have done to you to trust God with it? When we seek revenge and justice, we're carrying the weight of that. We're, we're gonna enact justice, we're gonna make it right, but what would it mean today in your relationships to trust God with it instead? You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to seek out justice and revenge. You can, You can reflect the heart of God, the heart of God that he sent Jesus to die so that we could have relationship with him. What would it mean for us to reflect the heart of God? Would you stand this morning right where you're at in your seats? I'm standing with you. Would you just stand? Uh, the band's gonna play. And I wanna invite you this morning to bow your heads and to think of the story of your life today. To think about the story of The times that you've hurt the Lord. The times in your life where you deserved punishment. Revenge is what you deserve. But God, today, He looks at you and says, Come on, come to the table. Let's have breakfast together. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I want to be in relationship with you. Is that true for you today? Have you you acknowledged that? Have you received that? Have you thanked the Lord for that? If so today, I just wanna invite you to trust the Lord. Whatever hurt you came in carrying today from the people in your lives, it's not okay. What they did to you wasn't okay. I'm not approving that. I'm not excusing that. I'm not asking you today to act like it doesn't hurt, it does, but today I wanna invite you, church family around this room, to trust God with that hurt, to trust him with it, to lay it down, the heart of God for you is that you don't have to carry that hurt anymore, You don't have to live your life seeking out revenge. Instead, you can invite him to come and bring the healing that you desperately need. As this song is played, um, I'm I'm standing here with you, but I'm gonna invite, as this song plays, we're gonna sing, we're gonna pray, but, but I just believe there's some of us in the room today that need to come forward to an altar Maybe kneel, maybe stand. You won't be alone. I'm, I'm gonna be right up here with you. There's some of us today, we're just hurting. We feel broken. Nobody needs to know what, what relationship today, but, but the reality is today, this is a hard topic for some of us. And we just need the Lord's help. That word trust is really hard today. Maybe you sense the Lord inviting you to come to the Hey, I wanna love you. I wanna heal you. I wanna show you my grace and forgiveness and redemption so that you can extend that to others. I just felt in my heart this week that there were people gathered here that need to pray, that need to to respond. And so I'm gonna pray. And then as the song is played, I wanna invite you, if that's you in the room today, would you just join me at an altar while the song is played? A step, (laughs) a step towards saying, God, I need you. God, I wanna trust you with the hurt and the pain in my relationships. God, we need you. We need your help. Lord, there's so much hurt represented in a room like this. Pain, God, and, and we don't understand it, Lord, and we may not ever, but today we are asking for your help. We're asking for your healing. We're asking God that you would help us to trust you when our hearts are broken. God, I don't know who I'm praying for today, but I just know. I know your sons and daughters need a touch. And so as we pray and as some of us in the room respond, God, be close. May your spirit come and just minister to us in such a powerful way. Thank you for being the God that draws us into relationship, invites us to the table, God. Oh, thank you. And we love you. Church family, as we sing, you're welcome to respond. Let's, let's call on the name of the Lord together.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz. Org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.